Doctor. Hello. Doctor Bruce Golding, are you there? I'm here. I'm here, Imani. Lovely to hear you. Lovely to speak to you. Lovely to have you on the show. I'm so honoured, so blessed to have you with us today. Um, Dr Golding, Golding, can you just, before we get started, I've got lots of questions, um, but before we go there, can you just share a little bit about your background? Okay. Um, gosh, there's, there's lots of parts to me. That's why I sort of see it as. <laughs> well, I've been a teacher for over 14 years now, and I've been working in mainstream special education and further education. Um, I was awarded my doctorate in education and leadership in 2018 uh, from the University of Birmingham. Um, I am currently learning sign language and I'm really enjoying that. And I've got a history of working with excluded children in uh, people referral units and also working with children and adults with disabilities. Um, I'm everything about disabilities and special, so anything to do with special education, I'm really, and health, I'm really, really interested in. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's, in my spare time, I love music. That's my, I would call, say that music is my therapy and my yes. outlet, my creative outlet. And um, I also... Um, I'm proud to be the founder of Nakawona, alongside uh, Sue Brown, who's the co-founder of Nakawona, and also, um, likewise, on the Cornerstone Project. So I really enjoy getting involved in community programs with schools and also just get, getting involved, rubbing shoulders with people within the community and making things happen. Wow, so many things. And you mentioned Sue Brown there, beautiful Sue Brown, who um, introduced us to, you know, to introduce me to you here so that you're here yeah. on the show with us. And I'm really, really, uh, really, really appreciate um, that. And wow, you know, so many things. I mean, we've got, there's so many things to, to look at. What I want to ask you, Dr. Golding, is special education and disabilities. What kind of drew you to that area? Well, I would say after working with excluded children for over eight years, I just, there was such a need. I mean, I think even before that, when I worked in a mainstream school, I'd always end up spending my lunch times or working at the school or finding ways to help those students who were struggling. And I didn't mind that because I knew that there was a difficulty there. And I, I think that just drew me to wanting to support them. And then after that, I used to wonder where the excluded children went, you know. So yes. on one side, some of the teachers will be, you know, quite relieved sometimes that the children would have been moved on. Mm -hmm. um, but I always used to wonder, you know, I'd see a lot of talent in those young people that left. But then I think, what, what is their journey like? And then this role came up, working with excluded children and then, you know, there were a whole heap of needs, um, emotional needs, mental health needs, mm -hmm. physical needs as well, that I thought I really want to support and help these young people in any way that I can. And, you know, you mentioned that you saw um, talent in them and, you know, maybe others, kind of, you know, because I'm sure it's difficult and others probably just thought, oh, God, this is a difficult child. And, yeah. um, 
you know, do, do you feel that that seems to be the thing across the board, that a lot of the times it's the way the children, these children learn, as opposed to they are actually naughty or there's other things going on as well. But do yeah. you feel, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, even when I think about just the idea of belonging, you know, the idea of a young person feeling like they belong to a school community, um, that's a big thing because, you know, it's it's about fitting in, it's about finding your place, it's about appreciating and valuing your own talents and other people doing that. Um, so I do think that the whole idea of belonging somewhere and feeling like they can shine and feeling respected and just I think it's all about nurture as well because the longer you spend time and you help young people to find what they are good at it's amazing how they can grow into wonderful fruitful people within the community and I think sometimes that's missed because the behaviors overshadow the talent and sometimes those behaviors are saying you know help me I, I need help, but my behaviour that you know, some you know, sometimes the teachers it might be too much to read that you know, knowing that a child comes from a difficult background and how much time is this going to take? But I think given the time and the space and the nurturing, there's, there's you know, I would believe that we all have gold and we've got to you know find the gold in the dirt sometimes. So. That's so important. Yeah, you know, sometimes I've heard it said that the children are not necessarily broken, but the system's broken because, as you've said, you know, um, a lot of the time there are underlying issues that if they were kind of um, looked into rather than the child being labelled naughty or, you know, what have you, um, that could make a big difference a lot sooner. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, I was thinking one of the courses that I've been doing is linked to dyslexia. And many of the boys and many of the young people that worked through that I worked with, they had literacy weaknesses. Some couldn't read very well. Some had a very low reading age compared to their chronological age. So that's, you know, that's setting a young person up to think, can they, they can't get a job. It's their whole life course is, is at a loss at, at, at the early stages. And that's what, you know, drew me to, you know, looking into dyslexia as well and looking at how I can support young people who can't, couldn't read. So, but yes. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And, and it, it's so um, interesting, like you say, you know, other teachers, you know, may not, and it, and you can't blame them. 30, is it, is it still mm-hmm. 30 children to one class, one, t- one yeah. teacher? Gosh, yeah, yeah, and it's tough. It can be very tough, depending mm-hmm. on what the class is like, the needs in the class, the background, the family backgrounds of those children. There's so many things. It's not just a child. That child comes in with their their family background. That yes. child comes how the community sees them, the wider community. So it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Mm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and you know, obviously, it's so amazing that it's so wonderful that you're you're there to help them. And you know, what what do you find? Uh, I'm going to go on to some other topics, but I, I'm really interested in this. Um, what are what what do you find? Um, what's the relationship like with the children? I, I can I can understand that. You know, when they find somebody who understands them, 
you know, you must be, you know, the you know teacher, you know, their special teacher, their favourite teacher. Yeah, you know, I look back even at the uh, people when I worked with excluded children. It was just wonderful, you know. I remember having these debates with some of the the boys. Some of them are very tough, and I'd be like, "Look, you need to do my work. You're brilliant at math, (laughs) and you're not coming out of the class until you get this work done." And we'd have these little. But they knew that I saw that they had. You know, many of them were excellent at maths, and I would I'd push them. They'd mm. sometimes walk out of the class, and then they'd come back, and I'd chase <laughs> after them, get this work done, and try. You know, and I thought if it's the last thing that they remember me for is that I could see that they had talent, were very quick with their thinking, mm. and you know, and it was just be- lovely watching them get good marks, and and I find that. When I worked before at an all-girls school, um, we had, for Black History Month, I thought, right, you know, we need to do like a, 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 um, a concert. And we had the girls doing all different types of dancing and performances. We invited Jamelia, Jamelia Payne, mm-hmm. and spoke to the school. And it was just an amazing, amazing occasion for these black girls and girls of colour who needed that inspiration wow. and so you know I, I look back and I look back fond, fondly on just my presence and just being there and if I if I've done anything to support them in their journey you know I just I'm, I'm glad about that wow and I'm sure you've done so much and um, I'm sure you're always going to be remembered you know by them as they go out into the world and you know find their space out there yeah, yeah. Um, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm also intrigued. You you started um, sign sign language, and and again, you know, this is related to disabilities. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about uh, you know how you got into this? I think this is fascinating as well. Um, how did you get into this, and why? Well, I've always. I think when I look back on my career it's always been, as you said, about breaking down barriers and finding ways to communicate in different ways. And I remember I um, went for a job interview at my my previous school um, and I thought, I I remember being in the interview and the head teacher kept on looking at my hands because when I talk, I, I do use my hands and I was attracted to painting, but I, I just keep what, seeing her eyes looking at my hands and I, I thought, wow. oh, that's a bit strange and I, I didn't get the job and I remember speaking to my sister and um, I said, look, when I was speaking, I could see the head teacher, she was just looking at my hands most of the time and I, and I thought, is, there, is that a problem? And my sister said, well, in some cases, some people might see it as a threat or different, you know, wow. different reasons why and we had a chat and I said well you know what I've gone through changing and trying to fit into a box and I, I said you know what maybe I just need to do sign language mm-hmm. uh, because my hands they're always moving and when I wow. talk about food or and then I, I joined up with a sign language class and um, I haven't looked back and it's been amazing I, I had um, I worked as a supply teacher in a deaf school, and it was fantastic just communicating with the young kids. And then you sort of see that there's a whole community out there that are I wouldn't even have thought about. Wow. So 
it, it sort of allowed me to sort of see that there are so many pocketed groups within our communities that are just getting on with it. But also, it just made me see how difficult it can be, you know, being deaf, being a person of colour, being black as well. What a challenge, you know. So it, it just, um, it's great because, you know, I've, the sign language teacher is Asian and there's a mixed group. And everyone's there for their own reasons, whether they've got someone who's deaf in the family or they just want to learn it. But, every, you know, there's driving instructors and people that want to make a difference. And I, I just love it. I love it. I don't have to talk three hours in, tra- you know, when we're, we're having sessions and you just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Just, wow. just using your brain and your hands. Yes. To build the story. It's amazing. Wow, because that's another, that's another intelligence. And, you know, I love that it, you know, you, you, it was born out of a situation where, you know, you went for this job and this woman, you know, um, just didn't sort of, you know, understand, you know, that yeah. form of communication, which is a really powerful form of communication, which is, you know, really strange. But, um, yeah. you know, you and use that. And yeah. here you are. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Uh, well, I was thinking, you know, I, I, I felt after the interview, I thought, well, you know, my friend said, you know, you're more qualified than the head teacher. And I thought, oh, my dear. <laughs> you know, and I said, well, I need to do, I need to do something. And I can't let this get me down. I can't, because so often, you know, when you don't get jobs or you go away and you think it's you, you've, you've, it's what you look like. It could be anything that goes through your mind. And I thought, well, I have to try and start learning to turn the negative feelings into something positive. Yes. Yeah. And my hands are my hands and Mm. there's got to be a purpose for me moving my fingers around and doing this and that. So, and it's been great because now I'll be, I'm getting ready to do um, some befriending with uh, deaf and hard of hearing uh, people in the community so I'm looking forward to that as well wow that's awesome um I want to talk to you next Dr Golding about um let me make sure I'm saying it correctly Nakwona am I saying it right I'm so sorry yes Nakwona um you founded this um along with um Sue Brown is a co-founder with you can you tell us about the amazing work that you're doing there and how you came to you know uh, bring this about yeah well firstly I, I just want to sing Sue's praises because Sue she's a wonderful woman and um, it's really strange how it happened because how we met um, because I think it was about a year or eight six to eight months before I would be having lots of dreams about how our community and particularly women you know how they, we need to come together, we need to build networks, we need to help each other and find ways to see each other. Uh, and I think all of these things probably were a build-up of my experiences in my life where um, many times I've felt unseen within a workplace or just unseen within the community, unseen on films, on, you know, just that feeling of we can't see you. And all of these thoughts were going through my mind. And I remember watching um, Sue's uh, presenting the first Black Bromids, which was oh, inspirational. Good. I thought, 
And then I saw her on the news and I, I said to Mother Hawk, I said, I really need to meet this woman. You know, it's really important. I've got to meet this woman. And about a week later, I was shopping in the market and who walks out in front, in front of me? That's it amazing. was and we, I just talked, we just talked, exchanged numbers, and then we've never looked back, really. I think it was, we had so much to talk about. We met up a good few times talking about our lives, our vision, and, you know, I told her all about Nakawana, and she was like, this is great, and, you know, we're like, we've got to make this happen. She was like, yes, I'm backing you 100%, and we just got together and worked on it, and you know, it was amazing because we just thought, well, even if it's 30 women who turn up, this is brilliant. This is a start. But there were over 75 women. Oh, wow. And, and also men who came to support oh, wow. the event. Oh, my goodness. And it, it was absolutely brilliant. We had the event at Bottega, the Bottega restaurant in Brindley Place. And they served brilliant food. Um, and that was um, from a lady called Sonia Parnell, her son is excellent vegetarian chef, a vegan chef. And um, the, the whole event was absolutely amazing. We had three speakers um, and they were a lady, there was a lady called Denise Blackman, who's a, um, she produces films and Caribbean pop-up cinema. We had Sonia Parnell, BEM, who has her own, she works, she's got a house and she has worked for over 21 years with um, a successful residential home with adults with learning disabilities. So when I saw an, uh, a, a news feature on Sonia, I was like, wow, this woman is amazing. And I got to visit uh, the, the home, the residential home, and just seeing how she is. She treats them like her own children. She, she just loves them. Um, and they've been with her for a very, very long time, and they don't—they don't want to move. Oh. And she, she to me was just a, an inspiration as well. And then the last speaker was um, the Reverend Canon Eve Pitts, who is a community supporter. She's a reverend, and she's also mm -hmm. an activist. Activist. She's passionate about the rights of black men and black women. African and African Caribbean men within the community. And like I said before, she's a very special woman. She will go into the bookies. She will go and sit with men and talk to them and hear their, their life journey. She, she, she will hear their voices. And she, she was, they were all very inspirational. But, you know, it's amazing when you hear a vicar, it's a, a reverend with you um, sharing such heartfelt stories from her own life and she was, she was absolutely amazing um so that was just the panel oh, wow. um, and yeah and so the, the actual change makers who we wanted to to hold up and uh you know just say i see you nakawana on the deck on the evening uh was uh, pauline bailey who's a visual artist yeah, oh, you yes, yes, absolutely amazing lady. Yeah. Yes. And there was a lady called um, Paulette Kumar, who's a life coach. Um, there was also another lady called Selena Parry, who um, was doing everything 
regarding beauty and working with um, the elderly, special needs, different different groups of the community to help them feel beautiful. Um, There was Lorna Phillip, who's a community doula, and she was doing great work with families. And also there was Janet Gray, who's an amazing uh, craft worker and seamstress. And also what the oldest lady who we had was Elaine Yap, and she was a community care worker. And she's just been, she's such a talented woman. All of them were doing their own great things within the community to make a difference to people's lives. And, you know, the public nominated these people. Um, because we, you know, we came from the angle that we can't see everything, but if the public can say, this woman's doing this, this woman's doing that, let's get them together and let's celebrate what great things they're doing within our community. So, yeah, it was wonderful. It was incredible. Wow. And, you know, I just ask you, what, you know, what does it mean for, you know, for people to have this? And it sounds to me like this is something that should be, in every community. Yes, yes. I mean, when even when we think about Pauline Bailey and the amazing work that she has done over the years, when we, as part of uh, Nakawani, we have um, Nakawani catch-up sessions. And when we interviewed Pauline, she said this is, this Nakawana was the first um, prize or recognition that she'd received on a bigger level. Wow. Oh, wow. And it's like, you know, all of the work. And, and that's why we wanted to look at black women, African and African Caribbean within the co- women within the community because we, we almost, because of the hard work that we do, it can almost be, we can almost be unseen. Yes. It's just that you do it, you know, and we just thought we need to make sure that they, they feel seen. Mm-hmm by all of these other women that came, and men that came along to, to pay, you know, their respects and just, you know, yeah. we see you, we see you. Wow, that's so, that's so wonderful. Uh, and you're so right. It, it's, it's, you know, just to hear you say that, that um, Pauline Bailey felt like that, you know. It's after yeah. doing so many years of amazing work and it's, it, it's so true and it's amazing that you were able to kind of... Um, you know, put this together, um, together with Sue, Sue Brown as well. And uh, it's amazing. And, yes, um, she was... I can hear the happiness in your voice. It's like, you know. Yeah. I mean, when we look back, we think of just how did all that happen? It was almost like we had a goal. We needed to do it because we, we just see so many women in our community who, who, yes, just need that pat on the back. We don't want to wait until that person passes away. Uh, And you hear that they could do that, they used to do this, all these secret lies. We wanted to say, no, bring it into the light. We see you and we want to keep on seeing you. And, you know, all of that, all of the information about that event is on our website, which is nakawana.org.uk. And you'll be able to read about the panel speaker, the, the, you know, the speakers that we had, along with the change makers who were nominated. Okay. Can can you just say that spelling because people might want to go and have a look and just um, get the spelling. Yeah. Yes, definitely. It's N A K 
U O N A Nakawana .org.uk and feel free to sign on to our mailing list because we've got a series of uh, Nakawana catch-ups um, and we've got our next one on the 30th of October with the Reverend Canon Eve Pitts which we just can't wait for um, and we have them at the moment every month just to catch up with what these wonderful women are doing within our community. And, and we just need, sometimes we just need to hear it to have that inspiration from each other. And that's what it's about, you know, Absolutely. inspiring each other. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Dr. Gold. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You know, Imani, and also, you know, also the work that you're doing, you know, when Sue told me about what you're doing and oh, the work that you're doing... I, you know, say Nakawana to you because you are doing, you're working nationally and internationally in raising the voices of our people, which is also special and inspiring. And, you know, I want to say thank you as well, definitely. Dr. Golding, thank you so much. I'm completely humbled and honoured. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, compared to yourself, Sue, Sue Brown and... Pauline Bailey, I'm like, wow, I'm so like, wow, you guys are doing amazing, amazing things and making such a difference. In yeah, that's how life. we feel about you. Oh. That's how we feel <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Um, I've got to ask you some more questions. I'm going a little bit. <gasps> <laughs> Dr. Golding, you do, I mean, you do so many things, no, seriously. And I want to ask you quickly, because we have also, just to let the listeners know, you are an amazing singer and we are going to play some of your music um, oh. soon. But before that, talk to me about, you do mental health training as well. Yes. Where yes. do you get time to do this and talk to us about who and what and, yes. Yes, you know, I think it got to a point when I was working at the, with excluded uh, students, I started to work part-time and, because I, I felt like I'm in this environment and I need experience on how to really help these young people, let alone these young people. I also was looking within our community and you sort of think mental health is on the rise. And so I trained to become a mental health first aid trainer and it was absolutely amazing. It was life-changing for me. I mean, we, the training was, uh, I think, between seven and ten days. And I just remember on the on the last day, I was in tears because I was one. I was the only um, African Caribbean woman there, oh. and then I also felt like this needs to go into the community. Yeah. I need to help others to be able to see the signs and understand the signs of mental health within our community, and. Um, so there were, there were the tears were tears of joy, tears that I've got been given these tools to, to go and help others help others. Um, because there was so much that I didn't know and I remember speaking to friends and people I worked with about situations within their families and it just made me see that we are all or will all be touched by mental health in one way or another. Yeah. But when you know that you can you understand the signs and you can actually do something about it, like first aid. 
you know, when you know that you can do that with mental health, then it gives you that sense of confidence that we can stop this, we can we can deter or give, get support in before a suicide, or you can encourage someone to get support in before it gets to that point of no return. And so, you know, that those things just drew me to the world that I work in with disability um, and health and education, all of those things, um, you do see young people and young adults and older adults experiencing crisis. We, we will all go through crisis, um, but it's how we get support to get through that crisis at that time. Absolutely. So, yeah. Because with yeah. suicide, you always, you know, people, you always hear that the loved ones and friends just didn't know, they didn't see it coming. So to have this mm-hmm. skill where you can see some of the signs, I think is it's amazing, and like you said, it's something that um, people need to know about and maybe, you know, kind of um, get the knowledge um, about this. Because as you yes. say, you know, it's on the rise, you know, mental health, especially with, you know, the lockdowns and COVID-19. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the difficulty as well, even with when we think about suicide, sometimes research has shown as well that, you just, it's out of the blue and that person may have known what they're going to do and planned what they're going to do, but the, you just, the world carries on and nobody realises that that was going to happen. So in some cases that does happen, but in other cases people just want to talk and and share and, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I do think um, schools, in the same way, like first tech, first aid as uh, a health you know can help people yes uh, into the recovery position just having that knowledge with mental health and supporting someone could could just you know could just leave things at the first stage and then support is at hand so i, I think it's important tools for all of us to have or try to have in our lives yeah absolutely um I, I really think it's a very useful, very important, and is becoming more and more, you know, of a situation. Something that is probably over the years going to be um, definitely pushed for more and more people to have yeah. these skills and um, knowledge. Yeah, because it is frightening. It, it is frightening if you, you know, some of the things you might hear or um, experience within the home. You think, what, what do I do with this? And there is that fear that who do I talk to about this? So I think, you know, knowledge is so important. Just gaining that knowledge so that you know that, okay, great, I I need to make a call or I I need to do this, I need to do that. These are all tools to help us to deal with those times. Yeah, that's amazing and very giving of you to embark on such a course. But what I want to ask, I need to ask you um, about education because um, it is so important, so valuable. And I just wonder, where do you get the time? You've got your, you've done your doctorate um, amongst doing all these things where you're helping people and making a difference. Um, What was it like for you? And, you know, for anyone listening, you know, who's, who's, you know, in their education and looking to go to that level. What was it like for you and um, how important would you say education is? 
Well, I would start off with one of the things I love to find are, are um, proverbs, like African proverbs. And <laughs> one, one of the, my favorite ones is a Swahili uh, proverb, which says education has no ending. Yes. And so we can be educated through the system of college, university, but also life is an education. Yes. You know? yes. And we learn from each other. And so that's the thing that I've seen. I've, I've, you know, I grew up on one of the largest estates in the UK. And, you know, the reason why I, I'm here and, and I feel that I, you know, completed my doctorate is because of my parents and what they expected. And they were quite strict, but I understand where they were coming from. You know, at the time when you're young, you just think, oh, I want to go out with my friends and I want to do things. But I realized as I got older, because, you know, on the estate, there were, um, it was the home of the National Front and there were lots of things going on. So I didn't realize the, the stress and the psychological challenges that my parents were going through when they were working nights and one parent would be home. So all of these challenges so for my parents coming over for me my and all my brothers and sisters it was like education is the key you must get an education and so the journey you know even through my own education going to school I didn't have you know many teachers who would say oh you can be a doctor or you can be this and that I think you know it was like you can be working care you can be a house you know you can be a carer and that you know so the careers weren't great for me but it was my parents who had that dream to say look go to college or you learn a trade that's the option so I went to college I went to university and even then I wasn't clear about what I wanted to do but it's funny how life has a way of bringing you back to the same point yeah. <laughs> you know I, I knew I wanted. It was I wanted to work with people. I wanted to educate. I enjoyed working with young people, different um, age groups. And then um, when I got offered, you know, I, I got an email asking if I wanted to do the doctorate, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it alongside work." <laughs> and I, and I didn't realise how the challenge of you know such an intense yeah. course and working alongside. But I think that. That helped me really to be able to see what life was like on the ground as a teacher and also the theory and the studies, the research. So it brought me, it developed two areas of how I think. So on one side, you can look at the, the theory, the research on that side. And then on the other side, you can see, well, what is it like really on the ground? Yes. Yeah. And so throughout my journey... It, it has been challenging within um, education, but it's also been rewarding, and I feel I've learned a lot of lessons. When I think about the UK, there's only 10,000 um, African and African-Caribbean um, teachers. Yeah. 7,000 women and 3,000 men, and that's in the whole of the UK. And, and when you look at the demographic of students, the student ratio to teachers, you think, what is going on? You know, the, the, the young people aren't seeing the role models that they need to inspire them 
um, and who understand their cultural background. So these are some of the challenges that, you know, there's a lot of research that and studies that are raising these questions about what's going on with the, with the training, the teacher training side. Why aren't they, why are graduates leaving the profession after five years? What's going on between that time? So after all that commitment to doing the courses, lots and lots of graduates, people that have finished the course, finished, done teaching for five years, they then say, that's it. I'm out. I'm out. So there's a lot of questions. Um, but, you know, despite all this, you, know, you still need to have hope and have those rays of hope because there are children out there who need um, black teachers, teachers of colour to, to make that difference to their lives as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's shocking, isn't it, that people will spend all those years studying and, you know, end up leaving in five years, yeah. you know, a, a kind of career that, you know, is, is vocational and that you'd expect that person to be there for you know, some yeah. longevity. Yeah, um, and, and from what you're saying, there is no real understanding what's going on behind that. Yes, I mean, there's so many, you know, when people leave the profession, sometimes it can be linked to, but, you know, them feeling burnt out. Mm. Um, some studies have shown that, you know, there's a lack of mentoring, that they're just left. And within your first year of teaching, you have to be signed up by the school. Mm. And so if the school don't feel that you've done enough or done what, you know, ticking the boxes, then you will not have your qualification to teach. Wow. So, you know, there's a, there's, there's a lot stacked there just even to get home, get through that hoop. Mm -hmm. And then you're in another world of education where, you know, there are a lot of white spaces and um, it's about trying to navigate your way through um, successfully as much as you can and working with the team around you but also understanding that you know there, there will be barriers and challenges as you progress up the ladder yeah so for anyone who might be sort of embarking on the educational um, journey um, you did also say it's very um, rewarding as well definitely yes I think you know don't life is a challenge and I, I just say, you know, feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, life yeah. is a challenge and, you know, if you want to teach and that's in your bones to do it, you need to do it because that's your calling and I, I think, you know, there's always, how I see life now is that there will always be the challenges but you will, if you have others to help you through, yes. then that will make the difference you're not going through it by yourself and sometimes that also could be a reason why if you feel isolated and alone you've got no networks that you can call on to say look i'm experiencing this then you've got someone listening to you you know that there's 50 teachers behind you saying we're with you yeah. we'll help you we'll give you advice we'll support you as much as we can and that just lightens that load Absolutely. so i you know if you if you want a career in teaching, I would say go for it. But be aware of the reality, the ch reality of the challenges. But you have the support behind you. Mm. So that that's really important, and that will make the journey a lot more easier. Is what I'm hearing you say. Definitely, yeah. 
and you know if it's not for you you might need it might be another form of education could be community education so that's why i think education has no ending we are always we are teachers you know and so if one door closes another will open if that's your thing and you are you can teach you will find you will find your space and that's what i really feel so teaching is a lot it's about looking at the wider picture and not just you know that narrow road there's many different ways to use your teaching um Definitely. you know yeah. skills okay Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Dr. Judith Golding, I'm go- I want to talk about your music now, but is there anything we've missed before um, we go there? Or No, I, I think really, no, I think we've, we've covered the importance of education. And I, I always think when it comes to education, you know, no matter what stage you are at in your life, yeah. keep on learning and educating yourself. That's what you I was going to ask you. Um, is, yeah. there a, is there a cut-off point age-wise for learning? I don't know if, that, if it's, you know, we've got pathways to education. In the UK we've got, and the West, we've got pathways to, you know, you go to school, university, blah, blah, blah. but like I said, you know, learning is a day-to-day thing. We learn from each other in the same way the Nakawana change makers, I know Janet Gray was planning to have sessions where she was going to teach some of the women who attended the Nakawana event all about starting up their new businesses. Oh, so, yes. you know, Janet has a background in teaching, but she said, I just want to do that. I want to help others. I want to teach others my skills. Mm-hmm. So how we see it from a Nakawana point of view is that we all have something that we can give to each other, yeah? And that it, it's almost like seeing that um, what one person knows and doesn't know, another person knows, yeah? So that is, that is also another uh, African proverb. She who does not know one thing knows another. Mm. And, and that's how we have to draw from each other. We won't know everything. But we can learn from each other, and that's education. So we see on a wider, wider view of education that education can take place. Not necessarily it can take place in a classroom, but you can be learning from a grandmother, you can be learning from a child. There should be no boundaries around education and how we learn. That's how we feel. Yeah. And, and um, I think that also kind of points to the sisterhood, you know, women coming together and sharing their skills, their gifts, and, um, you know, ra- rising together. Yes. I mean, it was amazing seeing there were queens and sisters all in one room. And somebody said, I remember someone saying that it was electrifying. The at- they couldn't describe the atmosphere of all these women in one room, uh, the sole purpose was to say, Nakawana, I see, see you. you. Yes. And, and that's it. We're going to eat together and we're going to see each other. We're going to talk to each other across the table and, and compliment each other and just be in a space where we feel safe and we can do that. And I think it's so important because when we do that, we feel better Absolutely. about ourselves. When you, we compliment others, we feel better about ourselves. 
and I, you know it, it, it was a wonderful night wonderful yeah that's so beautiful and so so important to you know come together and share and um, grow together and have yeah. that shared vision and uh, yeah it's wonderful and it's a shame that you know with the with covid because you know there were we had some mornings we had some uh, skilled mornings lined up that uh, we were inviting women to but you know sometimes things happen for a reason and sometimes that downtime has allowed people to really start assessing their lives and, and what they want so you know sometimes things happen but you know you, we go with it we go with it yeah you're so right it, it's um you can look at it as oh my god you know what's happened but then you can also look at it as wow time to reflect time to assess mm-hmm. time to make some changes and um, people are, are definitely you know doing that um yeah dr Golding, i cannot wait for people to hear your music oh. uh, <laughs> before we go there how long when did you know that you had the gift well, you know, I, I mean, that's a journey. That's a, I mean, I think I'm on a journey with many different uh, parts of my life. But actually, I used to do a lot of shouting at home. I was very quiet outside, but in the home, I was like, and my dad used to be like, "Quiet!" Sometimes, you know, he's trying to sleep or work, and I'd be like making all these strange noises. Um, and so, even when I went to college, I was very shy. Um, I was in a couple of plays, but. Um, I, you know, I think with singing and music, it's always been a very personal part of me. And so over the last, I'd say, 10 years, my confidence has grown and I started to write a lot. And sometimes I'd have songs in my head that I just would have to find a musician, work with them and say, look, this is what I'm hearing. And the lyrics would always always be there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I had opportunities to um, sing in, in the Birmingham Jazz and Blues Festival. I joined bands, and I think those experiences of, you know, singing in different parts of the UK helped to just build my confidence. Mm-hmm. Say, go for it, you know. If people don't like it, don't worry about it. It's your song. Just enjoy it. And I think that's how I, I take my music. And I love blues. I love jazz. I love you know the history of where jazz comes from and blues you just relate to that anyway so i think sometimes when you sing you you take on that narrative and and you you, you hear your ancestors and mm. what these amazing artists had to endure and and live through on a daily basis so i suppose it's all about sending a message a positive message and you know a message about life the ups and downs of life Oh, wow. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with playing. Um, I'm going to I'm going to start, I think, with Still Haven't Found. Um, okay. What made you choose to sing that song? Well, you know, I love, I would say that I've got an eclectic music style. Yes. So I just like <laughs> it. I, you know, I speak basic Spanish and French. So there's songs that I think, ah, oh, I love this. And so I'm drawn to the, the sound, I'm drawn to instruments, so still haven't found, I think it's the meaning, when I look at the song and that journey, you know, sometimes we think we're looking for things and we don't find it, but we have to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like the song, um, but 
it's yeah, lovely when you can, you can hear a song and do it in your own way. I love and, your rendition, yes. Uh, and that was done with about 11 musicians, and it's wow. amazing. Just, just everyone putting their interpretation of the song on it. So, uh, yeah, it's just looking to the future and hoping that one day um, we will come together. You know, we've got to keep that, that light or that ray of hope for our lives, really. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I'm going to play um, Dr. Judith Bruce Golding and Still Haven't Found.
Judith Golding, Bruce Golding, my goodness. Oh, that was lovely. Oh, wow. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. So much talent in one young lady, my goodness. Um, yes, I love that rendition. Absolutely lovely. And, um, you know, you really made it your own. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to do it. And, to find songs, I mean, the thing is, I because I love all different types of music, so my influences, um, like I said, you know, the blues, jazz, reggae, ska, it, yeah. it's almost like I just pick up on what, what I like and the different influences will be, be heard in different songs that I do, but yeah, it's, it's a great way of expressing and creativity and just being with other musicians, it's um, amazing. Love it. Awesome. Um, I want to talk to you next about one decision. Oh, talk yes. Talk to us about yeah. that. Well, you know, that was one of my moments where, you know, you just look around at the world. Sometimes I would come home and I would just write because I'd look at the news, I'd look at what's happening in the community, I'd look at injustice, oppression. And I just, sometimes when I have no words, <laughs> I just have to write. Yeah. And yeah. one decision came from that, that, you know, what can I do? It takes one decision for someone to make a change. Mm. Uh, it takes one decision for someone to make a positive change. So why can't we, we, you know, there's no excuse. We all can do it. Absolutely. And I think that's where that song came from. It takes one decision to go on a mission, just do something, big or small, it will make a difference to, even if it makes a difference to one person, just do it. And I think that's where it came from, really. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, seeing poverty and, you know, we're presented with um, one side, there's poverty on the other side, everyone's enjoying life. So you've got these two worlds happening and you just, wow. There's two worlds are existing alongside each other, and there's no in between. You know, there's something needs to change. Decisions need to be made, and I think that that's what I was thinking about. But I thought I can't go out on the street telling everyone. I just have to do it in song uh, first, and see the message comes through that first. that's a that's an amazing um, message, and. Um yeah, I think we should um, we should play. So my special oh. guest for this evening is Dr. Judith Bruce Golding, who does so many things amongst, and she's also a singer-songwriter. So we're going to play One Decision. Mm-hmm. Takes one decision To go on a mission I look around and I see things have got to change. Don't know how we're going to get there, but we got to rearrange. 
sign of life, yeah, yeah Things are going just fine Sit down, mom, I'm gonna shout What we gonna do? Just me and you Me and you Take your hands out your pocket Stop looking at yourself You gotta make yourself true It's not good enough We gotta do I'm bet to find the ways and the means to bring us all back in line. You've got to run with the punches and go with your hunches and maybe we can pray the way. You've got to soak all those bruises, let your mind do the choosing and we will find a way. goodness uh. <laughs> dr judith bruce golding my goodness i you know got a feel there of desiree with you singing that song and i you know it was like moving around and really enjoying you know such positive energy coming from that such a positive vibe and um lovely lovely words there that you know makes you think and 
you know, realise, yeah, you've got to do your bit. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think of just how, you know, we the psychological bruises, I call them, yeah. you know, things that happen within our lives and society, not being seen the way that you're treated sometimes. Sometimes you can't explain them, but they are, they're like bruises that you feel, you know, hurt about things, but you don't know why. And, and so, you know, it's trying to put those experiences into, into something creative to say, yes, you know, we're going to have the bruises, but keep going. Yes. Don't give up. And, you know, but I think that's, these are things that we carry anyway, but it's learning how to deal with them and soothing ourselves as well, looking after ourselves, which is really important. Absolutely, yes. That self-care, very, 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 very important, especially in the world that we live in today. So fast-paced, isn't it, the 21st century? Yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. Um, Dr Golding, um, you've written a song COVID, about COVID-19. Talk to us oh. about that. How did it come yeah. about? And, yes. Oh, this is wonderful. So um, I'm going to start again with another pro- proverb. This <laughs> is, a village without the elderly is like a well without water. Wow, say that again. Oh, my God. A village, <clears throat> a village without the elderly is like a well without water. And so this is, you know, when I think about Nakawana, the project, it's, um, a strand from the uh, Nakawana has been the Cornerstone Project, which Sue Brown is the founder of, and I'm the co-founder with yes. Sue. And it's amazing. This project is excellent. It targets African and Ca- African Caribbean over fifties and the elderly. And this project that we did um, focused on the West Midlands, and its main focus was on storytelling and poetry in expressing the experiences of during COVID-19 um, and using Zoom as a platform. Oh, wow. Yes. Amazing. So, wow. Yeah. So we had the, the, the aim was to recruit um, both the elderly and over 50s mm. um, on this project, which focused on, on, on them getting the confidence to use Zoom and really engaging with a cultural space where they felt that they could connect. And, and that too was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Oh. So, uh, yeah, sorry, carry on. I'm listening intensely. Yeah. So, you know, Sue and I got together, we talked through um, the ideas of how it would run. And so they, they we had guest speakers, we had, um, Andy Burke, who is a well-known photographer and historian, um, he attended one of facilitated one of the sessions, um, and really it was to help, just to provide that space for this group to talk about the impact of COVID nineteen on their lives. So parts of those sessions involved them uh, writing down or talking about one thing that was giving them strength, um, and. They'd write these ideas down. We'd look at um, uh, the nursery nursery rhymes that they remembered. So we'd go back and see, we'd focus on their memories and the toys that they used to play with as young people. 
as young children. And all of those ideas, and that, along with their experiences of COVID, came together to form the lyrics of the COVID-19 calypso. So Sue and I wrote the chorus, and then everybody else took a verse and shared a verse. You know, they all played their part in making this song happen. So it, it was great. And, and they've all, all of the um, participants have grown in their internet skills and their confidence, mm. in, which is brilliant. They were a wonderful group of women, women and men. That's amazing. That's wonderful as well. Men as well, you know, taking part. And, you know, that, that age group, you know, 50s uh, um, upwards is almost kind of like becoming, you know, pushed back. So it's yeah. really lovely that, um, you know, you, you, you and so um, recognise and, um, you know, gave them, a, allowed them to um, have a voice and share it. And, um, yeah. And I think as well with, you know, the work that Sue's done as well in the community and who even on the uh, Black Brummies, uh, that the programme as well, you can see that, you know, she's also the impact that Sue is having within the community with this, um, this group, this wonderful group of elders and over 50s that have such a rich history of, of, you know, their wisdom, what they've learned, what they've endured in their lives. It's fantastic. And to be able to draw on bits of that has been brilliant, yeah, really, really yeah, good. Absolutely amazing. Because it, it was a different world. I mean, I know for me growing up, it was totally different than where we are today. So there's so many things, you know, that um, people of this, of my generation, you know, and older can, you know, sort of remember and share with yeah. um, the younger young'uns. The world is changing all the time. I know it's changed a lot. But, yeah. um, and, and that's the thing, it, it's so important to, you know, be part of what's happening now and that's kind of what you've done. And also with COVID-19 affecting, you know, 50s upwards um, yeah. more than any other group, it's nice that they're able to kind of talk about you know, their, their experiences and, and the impact it's had. Definitely. And, you know, we're excited to be working with um, a, a housing association in Birmingham with their group of elders as well for um, Black History Month. So, you know, watch this space. There's some exciting projects and things happening. And we just want to use and include the voices of these fantastic elders because... <laughs> Whatever comes out of their mouth, is, I see it's like gold dust because you, they take you back. They, it's only their eyes can tell you mm. what the scene was like, what things, what their experiences were like. And, and those experiences are crucial in, in just understanding their lives, but how it impacts on our lives today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I remember sitting at the foot of my gran and listening to all those amazing stories of back home yeah. and just... You know, and it's the way they tell the stories as well. You know, it's Definitely. like and younger people they they did they just they didn't really get that opportunity because you know that was a you know the elders that came before my generation you know yeah. mostly not not no longer here. So um, to be able to have this where you've got people from all different ages and um, you know is amazing. 
Yes, yeah, it's great. Okay, so I think that we should um, play this COVID-19 um, yes. by Dr Judith Bruce Golding, Sue Brown and these wonderful ladies um, and gentlemen, mustn't forget the gentlemen, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> sharing their good, stories. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to play that now. We are the Cornerstone Project, cultural networking during COVID-19, storytelling and Calypso 2020. This is a track named COVID-19. COVID-19, it's all around even in my dreams. Wash your hands and keep them clean. Wear a mask, protect me see. Oh, 
Cornerstone Storytelling Group 2020. Writers, Barrington Gordon, Elaine Yap, a.k.a. Miss Kitty, Hyacinth Livermore, Bev Robinson, and Laurel Robinson, a.k.a. Miss P. Musician, Asha Barnes, the original composer of the COVID-19 Calypso Ditty, and RB Studios for reproducing the track. Special thanks goes out to Van Lee Burke, photographer and historian on the black experience in Birmingham. The funders for the Cornerstone Elders Project were Black Arts Forum, Perry Bar Arts Forum, Birmingham City Council, and the National Lottery Community Fund. Last but not least, thank you to the Cornerstone facilitators, myself, Sue Brown, and Dr. Judith Bruce Golding. Oh, wow. A wonderful <laughs> calypso. I was doing my, trying to do my calypso moves while that was oh, playing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny when they're saying, you know, wash your hands, cover your mouth. It's, it, it's something that, you know, growing up, that was always a thing. You know, wash your hands, cover your mouth yeah. when you cough, cover your mouth when you yawn, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's like, when do people stop, you know, remember to do those things and... Um, it's so wonderful, you know, kind of hearing the different stories. Someone was talking about Boris and um, yeah. just, yeah, just really making it so true to life and um, the wonderful sounds, the wonderful music um, around it. So, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's, it was wonderful because Sue, um, she's the uh, lead in Writers Without Borders as well, so she was able to draw on them and, Idea help the, help the group to get different ideas when they were considering writing um, lyrics as well. So um, it, it was great. They just went away and took an area, an aspect, and and it, it documents the timing at the time. You know, where's Boris? And you know, people didn't know whether to stay in or go out. And <laughs> yes, so, yes, you exactly. Know, if we go through the lyrics, we can actually document that period of time of confusion and how people can't sleep and how they're told, wash your hands, keep them clean. And so they, they, the team, they did a great job. They did a really good job. An amazing job. And, you know, um, well done to you and Sue Brown as well and just everybody involved. Yeah. Right. And Asha, I must say, <clears throat> Asher Barnes, was the, he um, came up with the... the the, um, huh? the tune as well. So we worked with musicians and and we were like, Asha, we need this. And he's like, okay. So we went away and and came up with that. So it was great. And we, we put the lyrics onto the track as well. So it was good. Okay. So. We've got, we're down to our last, I think, 11 minutes of the show. And I don't want to um, not play this particular track that okay. you, um, you're going to talk about because this is something I used to I grew up listening with you know um, with my listening to with my gran um she used to like jazz sounds and you know different things and <laughs> I, again I love your rendition talk to us about why this song oh you know I think why this song um why this lady you know I think this song god bless the child um yeah, I think Billy Holiday's life is one that is, gosh, full of trauma, full of 
so many horrific experiences <coughs> um, from a, a young child. Mm-hmm. And for her, you know, when you hear her voice, you hear the sadness, you hear the joy. She tells her story she with the book. With the and, book. you know, I think when I used to listen to her when I was younger, I, I, I mean, I, like I said, I was into so many different types of uh, genre, but it would all stop at Billie Holiday and, you know, and just what she was singing about and just, yeah, just her, her childhood and her life. Um, so, yeah, it, it means a lot to me. And when I do perform this, you sort of, you sometimes take, you, when you close your eyes and sing it, you, you're taken somewhere else. And spontaneous. Yes. what it must have been like, the division between poverty and and when you've got money and when you've got no money and just just those challenges that she faced as well so yeah okay so i think we should play this um as quickly as possible because i don't want want them to not hear it so um here we go so this is dr um judith bruce golding singing god bless the child Shall I, then that's not shall lose. So the Bible says, and it still is news. Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless the child that's got his own, that's got his own. Yes, the strong gets more While the weak ones fade Empty pockets, no They don't make the grave Mama may have Papa may have But God bless the child That's got his own That's got his own Relations get crossed the bread and such. You can help yourself, but don't take too much. Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless a child that's got his own. That's God his own.
Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very emotional, very beautiful. Um, oh. My, yeah. So, Thank you. Wow. Is there, is there anything you want to share um, with anyone who might be sitting at home and just feeling, you know, as you were saying that, you know, where's the hope? You know, lost their hope, lost their dreams or, you know, their dreams are buried and they can't seem to find it. What would you say to anybody um, who needs to have an awakened dream? You know, I would say that firstly, not to give up and to start, you know, everybody has gold within them. Everybody has the ability to do something. We all have a purpose, but sometimes it may take time to find that purpose. And, you know, to try and see the greatness in yourself. Don't rely on others to see that greatness in you because you may not, you may be waiting, but as much as you can, try to look and see, write down what good, what things you can do because we all have that. We all can do something from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. And I always think, you know, to just try and love yourself, you know, and that could be the simplest thing is looking in the mirror and saying how beautiful you are. And how, you know, saying what what you can do. I can do this. I have this. I've, I've got this. I've got that. I am this. Trying to say statements of love to yourself. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's time to start building you in order to be able to help others. Sometimes you have to start looking within and building yourself and looking after yourself and nurturing yourself. So really, it's, it's to just try every day to give yourself a big hug and and try and laugh about something. Try and, and smile. Try and laugh about, about something in your life because sometimes we forget to smile and, and laugh, you know? And um, then our existence becomes even more challenging because all we see and experience is sadness and we have to try and love ourselves, you know. We have to, you know, society, you know, we, we have to find the values. Sometimes society can draw values from us and we, we become devalued and some, somehow we've got to fill that, fill that cup and and start saying beautiful, lovely mm-hmm. things to yourself, to your inner self. And I think that's so important. Wow. Um, Dr. Judith Bruce Golding, thank you so, so much. You've just been a breath of fresh air, a you know, beautiful young woman coming here and really sharing so much um, wisdom, so much, so many gems. And, um, you know, really just wish you continued success in everything that you're doing. And you. you are always welcome to come back anytime you choose to, um, you know. Um, and thank you for the wonderful music. I'm still kind of feeling the vibe I just feel like wow you know from your music so thank you so so much and um, continued blessings to you you too thank you Imani and continue highlighting amplifying the voices which you're doing a great job as well thank you